Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Send us a fender. Yeah, we'd have fender. Um, yeah, welcome to the mouth of manliness. We've just had, uh, we've just done an hour with uh, our new friend Neil Cunningham, uh, and then we did another half an hour because, um, like we wanted to do a little bit more, uh, but he couldn't do the hour. And then uh, Brad just very gracefully took him to the train station, and now we're going to do another hour. This is episode 13. Oh, unlucky for some. Lucky for others. It is my 13th year of marriage. How's it been? I have to say, I don't think there is a better wife than my wife. I feel like I've really lucked out on the wife stakes. You know, like she really kind of, she's really kind of sympathetic and empathetic and supportive to me being a mess. But then she's also really kind of like she's behind me being creative. She's like, that is special. She kind of just accepts that, you know, maybe like a couple of times a week I generally have to do stuff like this. Yeah. And she will make the space for me to do it. That is amazing. And, uh, yeah, I kind of wish she'd kind of do her own thing as well. So it, but, you know, like her own thing that was kind of 
Federico and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so it felt a little bit more equal because sometimes it feels like, um, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm the child in some ways. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so uh, thirteen, thirteen, thirteen. Yes, I'm Nick Noise. Uh, this is my very good brother, Bradley Action. Brad Action, Action, Action Man, greatest hero of them all. And um, and. We are very grateful for all the listeners we've been having so far, which has been through the roof, actually. That I'm really shocked by how many listeners. It's nuts. I know I keep saying it, but thank you so much. It really does mean the world to us. Um, Well, I want to just mention a couple. Uh, Adam BC, Stevie Shaves, Jim Quinn, uh, Christian 79, Dead Kennedy, Steve Reddington, Ellie Freeman, Jeff, uh, my brother Darren rang me up and told me how proud he was of me the other day, which uh, broke me in the car. It was beautiful. So if you're listening, mate, thank you. And I just want to add uh, Charlotte and Alexa from Apple Incorporated because they really helped us out okay. in the beginning. I've been meaning to shout out to them for, what are we now? 13 weeks. Well, I'd like to echo your shout out to uh, James Quinn, mm. who is um, my... Like, we do a band together, and uh, we've become, like, a really good little unit of doing songs together. Like, he'll come up with a song, and I'll come up with a guitar part, and it works brilliantly. Uh, and I'll also say, uh, he's an amazing portrait artist. Oh, mate, his pictures are unreal. I know, I know. Like, I think, oh, I'm an artist, but when I, like, see Jim's work, I kind of realise that... I, I, I think, well, at best, I'm a graphic artist. No, I, mate, I you love your, stuff I love your artwork. Art. But what like strikes me with his artwork is like it's like you can spot it's his like he does portraits, he does people's faces, yeah. and they're almost like the faces are facing like a similar direction, similar kind of light and everything, and I, like it's beautiful. Like it's like he's honing his kind of style, like you yeah, are as well, I, I like, your, like your style, so. but it's just yeah. like. It's just such a nice thing to see, like you as well, like creatively creating stuff, like all the time. Like sometimes I feel a little bit kind of it's inhibited because I'm busy and stuff like that. But to be able to sit with a pen and paper and just draw it must be so freeing. It is freeing and it is fantastic. Uh, I don't ever really think of it in those terms because it's just what I do. But like you're also really creative. Like, don't think you're not because you're create Like, you produce the podcast. How many people have said to me, they sound brilliant? Uh, like, one of my, my, my friend Reese, shout out to my friend Reese Baker. Big up, Reese. Um, like, he listened to it and he, he said he listens to podcasts all day long. And he said he listens to people who are like really well established podcasters. And he says, none of them sound as good as ours that's amazing and uh, that's fucking amazing do you know what my big tip on that is and it's the same in recording if you're in bands and stuff as well is get it right in the room don't rely on being able to fix it afterwards Steve Albini yeah I produced uh, loads and loads of albums but most notably uh, Nirvana in Utero wow he says you you don't record the mic you're recording the band in the room. Yeah, you've got to capture it in the room and get it right in the room. I ain't got fucking time to sit there correcting stuff and making it all sound nice and shiny, so I do it now. But you, you're, but still, you kind of come in and you knock it out and it's like... 
I think you're massively creative. You've done all, like Brad basically does all the filming. So if you're watching us on here, Boston, which I hope you are, uh, Brad's filming it. This is all down to Brad. Brad films it, he edits it, um, he uploads it, and he sends it. Uh, I send him artwork here and there, uh, and I might mess around with the photos, but primarily, none of this happens if, it, if Brad don't do it. And uh, Brad's got a baby, so it's pretty fucking two, impressive. Really. Yeah, it is difficult, but what I find is it's a change. You got to change your state of mind. So I come to the. I was almost resentful because I wasn't getting chunks of time to do what I wanted to do. I want an hour to do this, two hours to do this, a day to do this, or whatever. Once you give that notion up, I have the laptop set up in a room in the middle of the house. I can see the kids from left or right. So if I'm looking after him, I can still have the laptop set up at standing height. So when I walk past it, I can just do a, do a little bit, have a quick listen, put it down, sit with the kids, read some books, watch the TV or whatever. And then I'm going to the kitchen, the other side. And it's kind of like part of this in the flow of the house. I think that's just perfect. Yeah, I'm lucky because, you know, the kids love music and, and everything else. And the wife loves music as well, so... I can have it on and a little bit loud and, you know, it's still a bit respectful, but... Everyone hates it when I play guitar at home. Like, I try... Like, I, I, I like to play guitar in the lounge, uh, but I can't because my neighbours complain and they are lovely, uh, but obviously play too fucking loud, otherwise I wouldn't be... I'm still, like, hyper-aware when I play my guitar about the neighbours. It worries me to the point I show off playing loud because it's loud. And if I'm doing something creative with all the noises and stuff like that, then I'll turn it down and put my headphones on or whatever. So yeah, it's almost it inhibits, really. Like, I remember saying when we, we were first doing my tattoo, like I really want like a studio day where I can literally just turn everything up and we can just like try all different noises and stuff like that and um, just get involved, get amongst it all. But it's just time, isn't it, I guess, really. So I I also need to do a couple of shouts out. I want to do a shout out to my my old friend Chris Kemp, um, who is having an operation tomorrow. So, but I'm seeing him on Saturday. So, hopefully, it all goes well. And obviously, this is six weeks in advance. But either way, I want him to know that I love you. Mm. Um, and I also need to do a big shout out to uh, Audio UK. Yes. Audio UK. Uh, I went to see them yesterday. They gave us uh, a set of headphones that Brad's got. Mm. Um, I'm going to get them. Yeah. They gave us a free set of headphones, which is really, really lovely of them. And I will say, you know, like, uh, you could spend... How much is a set of Beats headphones? Well, them ones are about 400 quid. So 400 quid. And their ones are like 100 quid and they're easily as good. And their plug-in headphones are like, what, 60, 70 quid? Wow. And like the iPhone ones are like 100, 150 quid. And uh, so they're totally, to- Audio UK, check them out because they're really, really cheap. But they're not cheap products, they're amazing products. And you're also buying off of two lovely people. Uh, I, I met them, Chris and Arena. Um, they're total diamonds. They were, like, there was no airs and graces when I went around to see them. It was all hugs and loveliness, and they've got a really cool little dog. And um, 
They uh, they also have an art business called um, Legally Assertive, and uh, they've asked me if I'd sell uh, prints of. So the artwork that I, the artwork for the mouth of manliness. Oh, they're so comfortable. Yeah, the artwork for mouth of manliness. Um, if they're drawings, I do them, and um, basically they really like the drawings and they they, they wanted to sell some. So, if you want to buy any of the artwork for uh, Mouth of Manliness, um, I'm going to be selling it all on Legally Assertive. Which is so cool, mate. Legally Assertive. They're about £20 for a print, but they're, they're, they're shit hot. Um, and we'll probably do some t-shirts and that with them as well. So, a massive shout out to Chris and Arena because they're, uh, they're absolute diamonds. And uh, we'd happily have... Another pair of plug-in headphones. <laughs> Happily. But they're really lovely. They Mate, really were. They're so it, cool. like, I met literally... them through the podcast. So it was, it was so so cool and worth it. Uh, like, I spoke to you straight away afterwards. I've just turned the noise cancelling thing on. And I, uh, the noise cancelling thing? Yeah, it's cancelling you out. Oh. Ha-ha! <laughs> 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 boom Um... Mate, they're so comfortable. But um, yeah, I spoke to you uh, afterwards, and yeah, you just saying how lovely they were, and that makes it like even nicer. That it's not just some sort of faceless corporation. Yeah, like, I mean, I went round their house, and they had a little dog, and I just felt, uh, I just kind of really clicked with them, and um, and yeah, they were talking about like they could do t-shirts for us, and like we're both busy, so I thought. Well, we'll do it with them then. They yeah. said they could do bedspreads and that. And I, like, I really wanted a, um, you know, the Unknown Pleasures cover. I wanted an Unknown Pleasures rug for in here. Right. But uh, they said they can do things like that. Well, I want that our the logo you've done on our wall. Um, I'm just trying to work out if I can like manipulate a camera around to do that. Um, that on a bedspread would look amazing. Wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I. What would look better was the picture I did of us. Oh yeah, no, that's <laughs> such a cool picture. But they could do all that. They can do anything like that. So, so if there's anyone listening, they're like, oh, I really like that picture you did. And I'm not saying that you, you would, you might, you might not. But you know, if you, if you fancied it, message us, and there's possibility we could get make it happen. So, um, so I was kind of anxious to. Not anxious to. I really wanted to do, um, like this hour. And we have started the hour. It was a little bit late, but we have started the hour. Ah, cool. Uh, specifically, um, daily move. So right from the beginning of doing the podcast, what we really hoped was that uh, it wouldn't just be about me and Brad talking about our shit. Now I know we've talked. We talk, I was talking with one of my friends, Mark, today, and he was going, "I love the podcast, love it." And it was just, you know, uh, that's amazing. Mm. But he said, like, at one point, you we mentioned that um, like Brad had used heroin, and he was like, and then that was it. And he said, "Oh, and I just want to know," and I just thought, "Well, I just said, well, I'm sorry we didn't cover it, but we'll get back to it." Yeah, it's funny. Like we start talking about things, and we get kind of up or excited, don't we? And we start yeah. talking about other things and that. But, but I, you know, I'm not gonna like. Well, I'm sorry. You know, 
but I, we will get back to it. We yeah. will get back to everything. But essentially, what what we really wanted was that um, people would message in and tell us their stories. Mm. And I say stories because I don't want, I don't like the idea that some messaging your problems. You know, stories is more interesting. That's really true, actually. I might have found myself saying problems. Now I think about about it. Sorry if I have said that on the part. I don't think I have. silly, but But if you have, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, but you're right. It's people's stories. And what's happened is people have responded in droves. And sometimes it's like a little one-liner or a little kind of sentence. And Yeah, like you, you sent me one this week from that. A girl who said, um, a, a woman, she'd said how like it kind of struck a chord and how she wanted her other half to listen to. Yeah, it. there's two, there's two or three I've had like that actually, yeah. which is amazing. So people are hearing it, um, obviously going on how attractive we are, and then um, actually hearing that we've actually got something to say. Yeah, and are thinking, do you know what? I'm gonna play this to my other half they might get something out of it might get something out of it which is like that's it was funny magical like, really someone I was work, someone uh, I know it uh, said oh it's very laddy right and I just thought well if it if it sounds laddy then that then it that's fine yeah you know like I I, 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 I guess I thought I'm not laddy no, I thought we were quite a bit more sort of alternative, really. Yeah, but but then you know we don't know like where she comes from. But either way, either way, she still says she liked it and she's yeah. going to keep listening. Yeah. Well, so we are a couple of lads. Yeah. Essentially. Mm. Yeah, I suppose we were swearing, which is quite laddy. Yeah, I fucking hate swearing. Yeah, swearing's for cunts. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> mum. Um, so. Let's should we get stuck into this one then? Yeah. So we got uh, we got sent an email probably about a week and a half ago, um, and it's quite a heavy one, really. Um, it touched a few buttons for me, um, but essentially, rather than reading the email out, um, I will kind of give you the gist. Do you want me to do that? Yeah. Or do you want to read it I'm out? a bit, I'm aware. Like, I messaged today and said, oh, um, do you want us, to, you want read us to read it, it word for word? It did say yes, and I've crossed, like, a little bit out. Do Obviously, you want to read it? Do you um, feel all right about reading it? Yeah, I'll, I'll read it out. I don't like reading things out. Yeah, I'll, I'll happily read it out. I will okay, we'll get it wrong and fudge it up. You do right. it. Okay. So. Right, so it says, hey, dudes. Okay, so. I'm only on episode two. Don't know if you guys have touched on this yet, but wondering what you guys think about, have experience with losing the love with your missus or falling out of love with your missus, I guess. So here's my story. And obviously he's asked to remain, I can't say. Anonymous. Anonymous. Um, Met my missus five years ago through Tinder and had lots in common. Main thing being she was English, daughter of an expat English teachers in Malawi in Africa. She grew up there till she was 14 in a posh Malawian private school where her dad was a headmaster. Then she moved to the UK to do her GCSEs. 
Anyway, and that's written. Oh, that's not just me moving forward. Hey. Yeah, anyway, it's written beautifully. We connected because I was a DJ or stage manager at a festival in Malawi every year, which she had been too. So we hooked up five years ago with plans to have great life and eventually moved back there to set up some sort of charity, which is pretty cool, right? Yep. Shortly after we hooked up, she became ill with anxiety disorder, chronic fatigue syndrome and fibro... You'd have to forgive me. Fibromyalgia. Malaria is that? Fibromyalgia. My okay. mum's got that. Okay. Uh, which meant, obviously I'll deep dive into that in a minute because I don't know what it is. Which meant she had to leave her job, fundraising manager with a Red Cross, which she loved. Um, again, that's pretty amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Since then, I've been basically main breadwinner and supported us through a move from City... Is that Liverpool? Me and, oh, yeah, Liverpool for him, Manchester for her, to the countryside, Hebden Bridge, initially in the hope that the change would help her mental well-being. We moved, and since then, she's developed more chronic illnesses, gastropropriasis, stomach muscles paralysed, so can't digest food properly, and her pre-existing endometriosis. This is why I'm not a doctor, because I can't read these words. It explains... Period clots falling outside the normal womb. Wow, okay. Which have all been really debilitating for her and meant that she couldn't hold down a nine to five. So what's happening with me is that I think I've ended up subliminally resenting her for all of this. Even though I know it's not her fault and even though I know I should be supporting her. So because of the impact it's had on her lives and although I know none of... Of it is anyone's fault. I've found myself not feeling the same attraction to her as before. And also my frustrations at the situation are making me a bit of a prick. I suppose the question is, what do you do if you feel you're falling out of love with someone when you know that it's just frustrations causing that? Would be interesting would be interested to hear your guys' views and others. Big love guys. Well firstly, I think being able to write that down and send it to someone um, is pretty brave. It's the start of things getting better. Yep. So my feelings are with anything that's difficult, um, the start of things getting better are is um, when you start talking about it. Mm. So essentially... I feel, I feel very, really honoured that he felt he could tell us that. Totally. Um, but I also think that um, by telling us, he's starting to address the problem. Yeah. And uh, and the problem is really fucking difficult. Yeah, I wouldn't even say it's a. I can't say this word. Specific thing either. Um, no. It's. Uh, I mean, I should state obviously we don't know any answers, and I wouldn't expect to kind of get any answers from us. But I think opening up yourself to talk about something like that situation, and allowing yourself to 
firstly, you called yourself a, a prick for having those feelings. Um, obviously, you're not. But then the fact that that you acknowledge that it might not feel right, maybe to have those feelings in your opinion, and then you're open to kind of addressing those feelings, is as Nick says, the direction that you kind of want to be going in, right? Because yeah. you, you want to be kind of maybe talking it through, but so so for me. Uh, when we got that email, it it impacted on me quite heavily that night and the next day. Wow. Okay. Um, it touched me quite deeply, really. Um, so what happened was, so the first thing I thought about, uh, so because we're obviously like six weeks ahead. Uh, I felt the need to respond because I said, like, we're six weeks ahead, like, I need to give you some resolution now. Mm. And then all I could really do was it made me reflect on the situation where my wife had cancer. Yeah, of course. Um, and a lot of the things that he said uh, were very common to that period in my life. And essentially... Um, the reality of it is, is that that period passed. Mm -hmm. That period moved on and things got better. Mm. Um, but when I read this, uh, I was massively conflicted because initially, um, like the story of when they met and they got together was really, really lovely. Yeah, totally. You know, it, it, you know, it was like, the other side of the world and then they got together and it was very, very romantic and very beautiful. Even the aspirations of like wanting to move back abroad and yeah. set up a charity and she works for the Red Cross, exactly. like, like something out of a film, it's magic. So for me, that adds loads of weight to it. Mm. So I imagine that kind of all those hopes and dreams and desires, when someone then becomes really ill, you know, that magic and that romance, uh, the fact that it goes at that point makes it that much harder. I guess you could maybe reassess some of those thoughts and feelings and dreams, I guess. Reprioritise, you know, stuff that, you know, not that none of it's important, but maybe you kind of have a bit of a shift, and you know. So I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been thinking about this fucking loads. This is this is weighed on me for a, for a little while. Wow! And it has made me think, oh shit, what have I let myself in for? But uh, do you know what? I've let myself in for it, so I'm embracing it. Strap in. So my thoughts were that all of those feelings I have felt, I felt all of those feelings when my wife had cancer. Um. I felt all of those feelings and more. Um, all of that guilt, all of that despair, all of that anger, all of those feelings like oh, I'm such, I'm such a cunt for thinking these things. And then I thought um, that. 
essentially thinking that all of those things is fine. So, you, like they're horrible, horrible thoughts, but they are only thoughts, you know. And those thoughts sometimes are the things that get you by. Uh, when you're going through a really horrible, dark situation, um, those thoughts, uh, as horrible as they are, they, they kind of get you through it. And I think, don't feel guilty for your thoughts. Um, let your thoughts be. Like you, you, you feel really awful. You feel really trapped. You feel like this. I never signed up for this, and why am I going through this? And why am I stuck in this position? And I'm doing all of this, and I'm getting nowhere. Like that's fine. It's okay to think it. You can think it. You need to be able to say it to someone. You can't necessarily say it to her because she's having all those faults and your faults at the same time. So you can't say it to her in the same way, but you but you do need to be able to say it. When my wife had cancer, um, I was having therapy and I could say to my therapist, all of those dark, horrible thoughts that went through my head, I could say it to someone and they could just go, well, of course you feel that. Of course you do. Because you're in a really shit situation and it's okay to feel that way. And I just think that all of the thoughts that our friend here is feeling, like you don't need to feel guilty about them. You don't need to feel bad about it. Like, don't make that another problem. Just think it. Mm. Just think it. It's fine. But don't let them eat you up. You know, like, it's okay to think bad things. But, you know, you don't act on it. Mm. So if he was saying, like, oh, he's starting to be a bit of a prick, the one thing that will stop you being a prick is if you have someone to offload on. Yeah. So if you have, like you can, therapy is not that hard to get. Mm. It's not that hard. Or like, I I used to tell my mum. Yeah. You know, like you tell someone mm. and you go, I feel this is what I'm thinking. And you say the words and then suddenly it's like that's all you needed to do yeah say the things out loud because those situations none of us should have to go through no but most of us will go through those situations in our lives mm-hmm. and they fucking they, they suck big ball bags <laughs> yeah but they don't get any worse than that what that guy was telling us it don't get any worse than that it really no. doesn't mm. that's as bad as it gets yeah I mean, you must have experienced when your dad was here. Oh, totally, yeah. Like, see, you, you know, <clears throat> we experience those things. We do. And I think by thinking, you know, oh, we're uh, really unlucky that we've had this awful experience. The truth is, at some point, we all experience that fucking shit. Mm. We all experience losing someone. We all experience someone going through pain and like we kind of 
like think, oh, I'm, you know, like why am I the only one? Mm. And you might be the first one in your group of mates. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel pretty unlucky because no, <laughs> no one else I know has been through the shit I've been no. through. No, didn't you like your, was it your missus and then her dad? Yeah. Is there like four or five in one go, wasn't it? Yeah, no, my wife had cancer and when she got diagnosed uh, on her 41st birthday. Then her mum got diagnosed with terminal cancer a month later. And then about six months later, her dad died. And it, it, like, it's like, no one can possibly fathom this shit. No. And didn't you say your mate at the same time as well? Was that, or was that a different time? That was soon after my mate got, my mate Chris got esophagus cancer. And that just all brought it all back. And then my dad got, um, the P cancer that I can never remember. The one up your ass. Prostate. Prostate cancer. Mm. And you're just like, oh, fucking hell. Well, like, why me? Why me? And you end up just blaming the world. But in reality, when you look at like the statistics for people with cancer, like everyone's going to experience a loved one with cancer. Yeah, totally. And like, I know, granted, none of my like none of my friends seem to have been through it and I do feel like a bit of a soldier but in fairness now like I kind of feel like I feel like I can take on the world really and I just think fuck everything all these things have bothered me now I just think I just don't bother me anymore no so I just think that there is no there's no solution to seeing your loved one, the one person that you kind of put everything into, assuming that that was going to make life better, and seeing them fall apart, they're not the person you fell in love with. You know, they're not they're not that person that you put your dreams in. It, you know, physically, mentally, and in every way, they're not that person. Um, but we all change, though. Yeah, but but the reality of it is, is that there is still hope that things could go back. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like some of those things that you're saying, fibromyalgia is like that's kind of quite an ongoing thing. That's like an ongoing fibromyalgia, is like a, a like me. It's like just pain forever. Like like it's it's quite hard to diagnose, and you could struggle with it for a long time. Oh, really? And a lot of things our man was saying, you know, there, there's no quick fixes. No. But, you know, you can't just go up, oh, fucking how unlucky am I? Got, the truth is, that could be anyone. Well, I suppose that is one stage of it. I think that's the beginning stages of it. I no, guess. there are. It, basically, you go through the stages of grief because mm. you're grieving a loved one. Yeah, of course. So you go for the anger, you go for the, I can't believe this is happening. You go for denial, mm-hmm. you go for all the stages of grief, um, but you still come back to your situation. Mm. And then you just come to this kind of acceptance. And acceptance is the key to most problems. And you just accept the situation. You just say, it is what it is. I can't do anything. I can do nothing to change this situation. No. 
But all I can really change is how I deal with the situation mm. and how I think about it and how I'm not going to let it fucking kill me. And so I, I said that I think one of the really important things is it, it, within the midst of all that pain and anguish, which you're going to feel in the midst of that, there are moments, there are there is space and moments within that where within those moments, you concentrate on you. Yeah. Yeah, you totally. Know, I'm fucking doing music for... She's gone to sleep for an hour. You know, I'm not working. I'm going to do something that makes me feel good about myself. Mm. And you fucking grab hold of it. Because actually, there's not, there's that's your only respite yeah. in those situations. Totally. And it's accessible. And it yeah. doesn't have to be like a big thing. It could be just jumping on the PlayStation for an hour or reading a book. Or having a bath. Yeah, you know, watching TV or something. Yeah. Where you go, oh, this is just for me. Mm. Because that's the problem. Like, I found when my wife was ill, um, and having young kids, there there really wasn't anything else. It was just, I'm either, all the time when it's not stuff of my wife being ill, it was like, well, I've got to sort the kids out. Yeah, of course. But then, you know, come... Like eight o'clock, they're upstairs, and then I've got some time to myself. Yeah. So then, in that point, I'm like, I'm just gonna play fucking guitar. I might just play guitar for ten minutes, mm. but you've just got to try and do something within the, within the chaos mm. to that's for you and just for you. And then when you <clears throat> when you go to work. You try and make, you try and turn work into something that you can get something out of. Yeah, it's a good, good shout, mate. Really good shout. So rather than just going to work and putting your head down and getting your job done, just try and turn it. It might just be a small thing. Mm. It might just be that you go, I'm going to take the piss for half an hour and have a shit. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like, I have chosen to do that. Yeah. I think it's like a feeling no of choice. a feeling of regaining control. Yeah, yeah, of that's something. Exactly it. That's and going exactly right, just right. for a minute, the, what I I can't control all of that, all of that other stuff. Yeah. What I can control is this little half hour. I've I've dotted my guitars around the house now. I've got a couple upstairs, a couple down. I don't know. I'm not showing showing off how many I've got, but like I, I said, got fifteen electric. Oh God! No, um, sorry, Fender. I've only got one. Oh yeah, <laughs> we need a lot more. Um, but. Like the same as, uh, as as I was saying about how I work with the laptop no, and that, exactly just like right. having it in the ha- in and around the house. Obviously, you don't want to piss anyone you work off. Work it into the routine. Yeah, you work it in so it's easy to do. Don't wait for that big chunk of time to do it or whatever. You, won't get it. you will not get it. It doesn't come back, especially with kids and everything else. It genuinely, time is my everything, and it's you, yeah. You can't sit and wait for it to come along. You've no. really got to just make it work make the best of it obviously i'm a little bit out of balance the other way as we address in a couple of other episodes that i will go out of my way to help everyone else out first and i then, think you're getting better though, aren't you? yes yes i am uh but yeah it's you kind of it's all right to 
think to yourself, right, I'm just going to go and do this little thing. Because then what happens is also, like, when your partner does stuff as well, it kind of like, you're both, you're both humans. Like, you, you're not, you, you can kind of both, you're both allowed to do stuff. Um, but it's just getting that balance of, you know, you don't want to be doing stuff and then it upsets them. Then they do stuff out of spite and it kind of all gets a bit bitter and resentful. Um, it's just allowing each other to be humans, I think. No, that's right. That's totally right. I agree with that. It's difficult. I mean, the kind of one of the things that a friend said was that, you know, the falling out of love with someone. Yeah, that's hard. And that's totally understandable. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you just feel like if you said that to anyone, if you said that to someone, you know, like, if I'd have said that when my wife had cancer, mm. it's like, when you said to someone, I don't think I love her as much, they'd be like, you fucking piece of shit. Yeah. You fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Like, you're saying that and she's going through all that. Yeah. And, like, within that, when someone else is going through so much suffering, it's like you do not count for fuck. No. You know, like, you, you do not matter at all. No. You know, if you, if like, for a moment you go, oh, this is hard. Mm. And, like, what's she going through? Yeah. You know, like, or, or he, you know, yeah, it could yeah. be, but, but it's like, what are they going through? Like, how dare you fucking make out you're having a hard time? Yeah, but that's fine, like, if you take that as a snapshot of a month or two of a little illness, but you spread it across, you know, a year, two years, three years, four years. And it goes on and on. Yeah. And, uh, but what I would say is, um, my wife regularly said to me, she regularly said to me when, when she was at death's door and she said to me on a number of occasions that she thought it was harder for me. Wow. She's like, all I've got to do is, you know, be there for treatment. And all I've got to do is have treatment but you've got to go through everything else and this and that and that. And so... How did you feel about that? I don't really know. I don't know how I felt about it. Mm. But I think, I suppose, um, the point I'm making is that if our friend is going through all of this, then she probably knows that he's going through it. Yeah, that's a good shout. And she probably, she's probably aware of everything that he's going through as well. Mm. And that if he's not talked to her about it, then you don't have to say, uh, oh, I'm going through this. You just have to say this is shit in it. Yeah. Like quite often, like my wife and I would have these conversations and they'd be like, It can't get any fucking worse, surely. No. Nah. And like 
should be feeling guilty about the kids. Like, Jude obviously was autistic as well. And, like, saying there's so much guilt going on. Um, but we would have these conversations and be like, fucking hell. This is fucking bollocks. Mm. Like, can this get any more shit? And we'd both just be going, um, and it was important to have those conversations. Yeah. Go like, this is fucking hard work. Yeah. And like, you know, like when you're feeling pressure from somewhere else, God knows where, you know, like. Like work or. Yeah, all the school going, oh, we're worried about Jude. And you're like, fucking right, we're worried about Jude as well. But we're also worried about this and this and this yeah. and this and this and this and this. And it was like, we just got to deal with one thing at a time, yeah. Yeah. So it so actually it was helpful to talk about it. Mm. And like talk acknowledging about it to my to my wife. I suppose acknowledging that you're both in it together. Mm. So in many ways you don't have to say like, oh I don't know if I love you. Because you're both thinking that. Yeah. You know, you're both thinking you know, she's probably thinking, Does he still love me? Yeah. Because, like, look, you know, she's probably feeling massively self-conscious and thinking, does he love me? God, I'm putting him through everything. Yeah. But then, actually, what you're saying is, I love you anyway. Yeah. I love you anyway. Yeah. You know, like, I'm showing you every fucking moment of the day how much I love you. Yeah. Like, let's just have a conversation. Yeah, I think that. Like, what a load of fucking bollocks this is. That is key. And even if nothing comes of it, it's just it's that acknowledgement of knowing that you're both up for talking and, yeah, in a situation that, you know, you might not necessarily know the answer to, but... It is crazy, though, bro. Like, when you're in the middle of that kind of shit, uh, you lose all perspective. Yeah, I bet. Like, you lose all sense of perspective. It just all becomes... Everything goes out the window. I remember you saying you had a real problem with religion. I was so fucking angry. Mm. And it just all goes out the window. When you're facing shit like that, on like day in, day out, it just all goes out the window. Um, and the one thing that got me through was therapy, really. Mm. And being able to tell my mum everything. Like, I've told my mum everything at that point. Is that always the case, or was it more prevalent in when you were going through all like this stuff in later life? Yeah. Later life of telling my mum things. Mm. But you, you do need someone to just go, this is, my brain is telling me this. And they go, they don't need to say anything. Like, well, my mum would just go, I'm so sorry. Yeah. That's all I really needed to hear. Yeah. But, you know, you did, these are the extremes of life mm. that no one should have to deal with. You shouldn't have to deal with these extremes. And it's like dealing with death, dealing with illness and disease, uh, dealing with losing children, all these terrible, terrible extremes 
Like, none of us know how to deal with it. No. There is no answer how to deal with it. And a lot of the times, things are hushed and kind of not spoken about. And that doesn't work. No. Like, that is why later on you're burning yourself with fags mm. and you're drinking yourself to fucking, you know, you're drinking yourself as much as you can to try and kill yourself mm. because none of that works. Hush tones don't work. That's why so many people have got post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. It doesn't work. No. Like, I think from talking with you, when we talked about the stuff of your dad, yeah, and then you you talked about it to me, and you were like, "I've never said that before." Mm. I'm like, "You've not had anyone to tell." No, I've had I had um, therapy for um, drugs and alcohol uh, for a little while, and I had like some real breakthroughs, which was amazing, but. I'm aware that there's stuff, untapped stuff that I haven't spoken about that goes right back through, yeah, like obviously Nan's dying and having to deal with that at school and then mum and dad splitting up, um, friends, mums and dads dying in quite sort of tragic circumstances and friends, partners dying in tragic circumstances and obviously dad dying my son dying um, and then, you know, helping um, partners through stuff that's happening. Um, losing my granddad, who was kind of like a massive sort of role model to me. And it's odd because day to day you think that's all quite normal stuff to go through. It's not, it's not normal though. No. That's 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 what I was trying to get the point to. It's it's not. We all go through those things in our lives, mm. but we shouldn't just go. That's normal. No, I no, I didn't want to sort of. As, no, I no, I wasn't saying that as a criticism. No. What I'm saying is that that's really fucking difficult. Yeah. And you you can't just go. Oh, it's just normal. Get on with your life. No. So my point was really is that at those points you need to be able to talk about it. Yeah. And say the things that are going through your head. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's odd because there's no denying that it's obviously affected me, my confidence, self-esteem. I want to drink all the time. I've got this new fascination with smoking. I really want to start smoking and smoke weed and everything else and... Um, maybe that's an element of kind of taking back control. I don't know. I haven't really explored it enough, to be honest. But I I kind of keep myself balanced and kind of talk my way through stuff. And I get caught up in everyone else's stuff. And I kind of, you know, um, you're kind of keeping the family afloat and keeping everything going. But I know, uh, well, I know full well, there's no no two ways about it that I need to um, get back into therapy and kind of get it get it sort of worked for and processed because there's aren't like I say I can feel it it's untapped stuff emotions that you know I can't even can't even uh, get my head around to be honest but it almost feels like an indulgence 
And what I'm scared of is... I'm aware at some point I'm going to crack. And I don't know how that's going to manifest. I thought it was just getting really drunk. Um, but a lot of that's been normalised in my family as well. So it's like, oh, it's just had a drink, don't worry about it kind of thing. So not the not knowing and then hearing people's stories about how stuff just kind of happens is quite scare, a scary notion. Like, um, like it, like I don't know. I imagine like a full breakdown to be like for almost like to lose complete control of of everything and not really know what's going on. Like the anticipation of it sort of puts fear in me, but then it would also feel like such a relief, like that release of being able to go, no, like, like everything can stop for a bit. Um, but in the same token, like it almost feels selfish. But this is not like a thing from being a husband or having kids, like I've always felt that way. Like times I've broken down in the past, I've been sort of shipped to the doctors and stuff and Obviously, it come out around that time that I was on drugs and everything. And again, I would just normalise it and say, well, everyone's on drugs. And, you know, I'm not eating properly, so that's probably just that. And maybe I have got an issue with like, getting to the crux of what's actually going on. And I think it does, obviously it goes back further to, you know, mum and dad splitting up and everything else. But, yeah, none of it's been dealt with but still feel like it doesn't need to be dealt with at this stage because I'm kind of coping, which I think, as I've been learning from sitting opposite you um, these past few weeks, is kind of a recipe for disaster. Not disaster, sorry, but but if it's left undealt with and untouched and unspoken about, then it just it festers. It doesn't get any better, does it? I think um, essentially, when you have therapy, uh, what you're doing is talking about it, and I think there's a great power in talking about it, and talking and saying those things aloud. Mm. Um, I certainly get. Uh, the sense from you that there's lots of things that need to be said yeah and on that to interrupt you I've got scripts that I go back to when I'm talking about those things and they're like little highlight points even as I explained it to you just then and the way my voice sounds the tone of my voice that's the little like yeah, script, like the line, I'll say this bit about my dad, say that bit about my son. Da, 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 da. I've never deviated, from the, deviated from the script. And that's, um, so in therapy, someone will go, just quite simply, tell me about that. Yeah. And then you'd, you'd go off road. 
Mm. So, yeah, you need to go off road. Yeah. But even as you say that, I think, oh, I would just talk about, you know, the funeral or this bit or that bit. Like, it'll be so superficial. I can feel the power as is, is I'm looking in your eyes now and I don't want to. Like, that all of that underlying stuff is literally untapped, untouched. So all of the therapy that I've been through has been talking about all those things uh, uh, have fucked me up. Mm. All of those things. In a, a situation where I feel comfortable to say it. And I almost feel like if I don't, like, I have to say it. So you're kind of in, you're in a room and you're like, if I don't say it, then this is a complete fucking waste of the time. Like, mm. I'm here for an hour. And if I just talk about superficial bollocks, like, I'm not going to get better. Yeah, so that's powerful in itself. See, I'm really torn on this because I feel like I could push you on it. I could push you on What stuff. now? I could push you on stuff like now or later or whenever. I feel like I could push you on it, but I don't want you to feel like, I can't, I don't want you to feel like coming here is, is a horrible thing. Yeah. So like, like, so when you listed your things that were hard. Yeah. You see me, I, talk openly about everything yeah and that is part of me being me getting better yeah and it works for me and I know that you've got loads of things um and I almost like it's funny talking to my wife the other day and she's like by the way uh-huh. and it's like well not really you know, like, we both know he's not really all right, don't we? <laughs> you know, like, we both know about this stuff. Yeah. And we know he's not really all right. And I was like, no, Brad's not all right. And I said to him, you know, he's a go to the doctors and all, but, but then I also know uh, you've got a young family and you're doing everything you can. Mm. You know, Sometimes there's a certain amount of that you're you're doing what you can. Yeah, I think and that's um, all you can do. Yeah, uh, that in itself, like, there's probably an element of that that kind of keeps you going. Yeah, but you can try and normalise it. You look at other people and think, "Oh, right, they have a drink on a Friday." So the fact that I haven't drunk all week this week is a result. I haven't thought about drinking wine at you know seven o'clock on a Tuesday morning that's great so I'll have one on a Friday because that's what other people do kind of thing but then you have like three or four bottles oh, in fairness though Brad like I I did ten years drinking yeah and you haven't done that no you're doing much better than I did <laughs> you really are yeah like I, I I didn't you're coping much better than me 
Yeah. But I do, I, I, I know, I'm fucking acutely aware that there's, there's much more that like, we could get into. Yeah. But I don't know when, when that, when the right time is to do that. Nah. And I also, I'm acutely aware that we're on the telly. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> so fucking hell. And we're on a podcast. Mm. Well, uh, and I also think, you know, I don't want to take advantage of, of it either. Yeah. So I guess, I, I suppose, at some point, we need to have a conversation about where the boundaries are, I guess. Do you know what? Like, I genuinely... I think like we were saying the other day about how the brain naturally kind of patches over stuff so you don't mm. completely sort of remember it all. But outside of like what we'd call the script, like I really don't know what we would talk about or what the prob- what the issue is or where it goes back to, to the point that I've almost, like, I've even considered the fact that something might have happened to me when I was a kid and I've completely forgotten about it. I, 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 like I said, I don't really remember stuff in an, in a linear way. Um, you do know I know how to do do that, don't you? What do you mean? Uh, to kind of make it linear and kind of take to do that to take you there. What to regress back, kind of thing? Yeah, no, it's not really regression, but. Um, I do know, like, we, we could, we don't have to do it on the podcast, but, like, I am quite good at that. You know, like, just where you go, you know, like, you, you'll, you'll kind of go, well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know when that sits in time, and I'll go, well, tell me what you do remember. And then we'll go through all the nice things that you remember. Mm. And we'll list them all out. We'll run a big sheet of paper up the room. We'll list out all the nice things you remember. And then we'll think about the things, the other things you remember. And then I'll go, do you remember, like, brothers and sisters? What do you remember about them? And then essentially, you get to a point when you're like, oh, what's going on in the gaps? And you'll be like, oh, um, and then we'll start filling all the gaps. That'd be incredible. We could do that. That'd be amazing. Because I think you did say to me before, like one issue might be that I've got no real concept of time and space. Yeah, so we could make it make sense. Yeah. But um, it, I don't know if you want to do it like this. Though. What, on the podcast? Yeah. I don't think that'd be a very good idea. No, I probably wouldn't. No. Nah. I could help you with it, though. Oh, that'd be amazing if you could. Like, I genuinely don't know, like, what would happen or where it would go. Well, the truth is, it wouldn't go anywhere. No, that's true. But it, like, like, the kind of reality of life is it wouldn't go anywhere. No. But it would help you to understand a few things about yourself. Yeah. Which but, it, it's funny, because it's... I'm almost unexplored... Yeah, the time territory timeline stuff is really, really helpful. Mm. For you to go, ah, well, I don't know, ah, 
there's a gap there. Why why is there a gap there? Yeah. And then a few probing questions and we start pulling that out. Mm. Um But if you were to even if you were to kind of timeline some of the traumatic events and start making sense of them, then you could start thinking, Oh, that's when I did that. So, you know, like say for example, uh like for me it was like, you know, that went wrong and then I started getting really off my face. Mm. And that's when I started drinking heavily. You know, like I could kind of pin that in quite quickly um, and I could make sense of that. So maybe that maybe that would be useful. Yeah. It might be useful. I think it will be. I think that would be I really helpful. I don't need to do that like, on a podcast, but... Everyone's now screaming out, going, yeah, film it. <laughs> Everyone's just going... The funny thing is, though, is that I think, like, um, kind of from a lot of responses we've had, everyone's like, oh, what's going on with Brad? Yeah, it's odd, that is, because I feel like, I don't think I said any more, but I feel that was like maybe 10% of your 90% of stuff of how much you've opened up and you've said stuff on the podcast. No, but if it, it well, that's, that's because it's like, uh, it's a narrative, isn't it? So uh, the obvious, like for me, like if someone just goes, this is me, and you know, like Russell Brand, I am this and I am this and I yeah, am this and I yeah. am fucking, I'm a mess because of this and this and yeah. this and this. Um, like, that's fucking boring. Yeah. You know, like, you, I could tell I could tell the story of my life and I could make it sound interesting. But um, the most interesting story is who done it. Yeah, that's true, yeah. It's a story that we don't know, yeah. but we want to know. Yeah, it makes sense. That does make sense. But even I don't fucking know. So. No, but the, the, this is what I'm saying, is that I think... Um, I think that if people are listening to this now, uh, in essence, um, the story is not going to be like suddenly we bore Brad open. No, it's not going to be some revolutionary thing. That an hour. Yeah. Yeah, I'm confident that I don't think that anything bad has happened to a degree. I just think you kind of get caught up in what you're saying and what you're doing and a day goes by and you, you kind of like it gets compartmentalized. It's something we've mentioned quite a lot on this podcast, and that becomes your script. Yeah. And it just becomes easy to just go, Hello, I'm Brad. This stuff happened to me, but today this stuff's happening to me. And yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is that um, the podcast is not going to be about uh, cracking the nut that is bright. <laughs> that sounds like a t-shirt to me. <laughs> no, but I just think that's cuntish. If we, if that is, you know, if if that is the premise, then I don't want that to be the premise. No. Nah. I don't want the premise to be Oh, we're gonna cure Brad. No, or we're gonna we're gonna get Brad to come to a point of revelation. No, I think like, I, I will probe you. <laughs> and I'll, 
Oh, yeah. Let's wait until yeah. the cameras go off. You know, and we will talk about things. But um, my, you know, I want to be really fucking open and say I'm not looking to kind of go, right, we're going to we're gonna fucking break bread. No. Break bread. I come bread. I, the reason this uh, is so close to my heart is because... I want to be used as an example almost. I want people to think, fucking hell, like, that's good or that's bad or he said this or that said that. And like we said before... That's almost when, counter. Yeah, I know, I know. But we said when we started this, if one person listened to it and just got one little iota of that little spark that was enough for them to go, right, I'm not going to do this to myself today or I'm going to go and do this today, then we've already won. And I, I'm fairly confident we managed that on the first episode and we seem to be doing that as we continue through these other episodes and that is my mission is getting emails like that today but i just guess i just guess i kind of wanted to be eternal about that is that i'm not going to be spending my whole time trying to fucking get in a bright <laughs> Because uh, I think that's fucking out of order. Yeah. Although I do think I could. And I'm fucking up for it too. <laughs> I think I could. <laughs> I don't deny that. I'm fucking good at getting, like, not getting into like manipulating, but I think I, I can pull it out. Yeah. But, I think uh, if anyone can, you can. But that is not um, that is not my modus operandi. Um, but I will say, now we're finishing up, is thank you to our friend um, today for his massive email. Yes. And I hope we offered you some kind of help. Uh, I'm sure we can't offer you any solutions, but no. maybe we'll give you like a way to look at things. And, um, you know, essentially we offer you love and respect. And we are always at the other end of emails. Now, yeah, if you just want to reach us. out and just give us a shout or just, you know, have a chat or whatever, then... Um... Yeah, we're at the we're here for everyone. We were going to touch on another one, um, but we're going to save that because that one's fucking also quite heavy. I think we tend to do like we'll do an hour. It's a lighter. Then the second hour always gets really fucking heavy. Yeah, and then and then me and Brad like go see you later, and then um, I normally have a like. A really dark night's sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we text each other the next day going, you all right? Yeah. That was fucking hell, yeah, mate. Yeah, it's a bit deep. Yeah, the thought of, um, if, it, if it is the one we're thinking about, the thought of doing an hour on that is, uh, that's not going to be easy. But look, I think that's okay. You know, like we do an hour on, on something specific. Yeah. It's very different to like going, why do you think that? You know, like, yeah. look, that, that, that feels better. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Anyway. Good night, Boston. Good night, world. Good night here, Boston. Good night, our podcast friends. And yeah, we love you guys. We really do. This is special. It is. Take care.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 